<coughs> Revelation 5, 1 through 12. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, the roof of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamp, each holding a harp, a golden bowls full of incense, which are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked... And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is the word of the Lord. For those of you who haven't been with us, we are in a series um, called uh, Revive Vision. Um, as you can hear from uh, all the announcements, we're playing a church, and uh, a brand new church, and a new church and a new witness into the city filled with the nations. <laughs> this is a city with uh, all the different nations of the earth, and um, we think it's a really special place and a really important and special place to proclaim the gospel. Um, we are in part 10, okay, so uh, this is kind of a long series here, all right? Two more to go, and what we're doing is um, we're, we're going through our vision and all our values. So let me ask our, our brother William to um, kind of project our vision and values. So there's our vision, new life in Christ for the nations of Silicon Valley, and I've been going through those different values, and um, today I'm going to preach on, you know, the third from the bottom, reaching nations and renewing cultures with the gospel. Reaching nations and renewing cultures with the gospel. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I already talked about this issue of, of, of that we're going to make disciples of all nations. And uh, how is that, that message different than today's message? Um, that message, we, it was really about disciple making and specifically about disciple making out of all the different nations that our church is intentionally not going to be mono-ethnic or mono-racial. In fact, why would you want to be in a city like this? And in fact, it makes no sense. But um, 
but that it's even God's will that, you know, cultures, you know, the churches are supposed to be multi-ethnic. <laughs> Do you know that the, even the word Gentile, uh, you know, and most people think the word Gentile means not Jewish. I mean, it does kind of mean that, but that's not actually, there's no word in the Bible for Gentile. Do you know that? <laughs> in the Greek, there's no word called Gentile. The word is the, the nations. Whenever the Jews use that word, they say the nations. There's the Jews, and there's the nations. <laughs> so, and you know what God wants? There's a, he wants a nation of the Jews and the nations. Multi-ethnic. The ethnos, right? And today, what I want to talk about is, we're not just interested that salvation is not simply for individuals. <laughs> In America, we're highly individualistic. We tend to think that, you know, me as an individual, I'm going to go to church and I'll get some stuff out of God and Jesus, hopefully. And then, you know, a bunch of other individuals will get together. And if individuals from different nations, right, from the ethnos, from the ethnics, get together, then we will be a multi-ethnic congregation. Um, I don't think that's quite the, the Bible's vision. The Bible isn't just interested in taking a series of individuals and then clumping them together, and then we have something like the kingdom of God. That is not the Bible's vision. The Bible's vision is that nations come together, and each of their tribes and their nationhood gets renewed in Christ. So have you ever thought that about this? When you get to heaven, do you think heaven is something, something kind of like a mishmash of individuals from around the world and some like kimchi and some like, you know, you know and some like tacos? <laughs> is, that, is, is, that, is that all the difference there is? And then, you know, some have like brown skin and some have like white skin and some have yellow hair and some have curly hair and some have straight hair. Is, it, is, that, is that what God is interested in? Actually, if you look at this passage, and, it's, and I, I know it's a big and like, whoa, you know, we're looking at Revelation, it's really important that all the nations and tribes and languages, catch that part? All the nations and tribes and languages bow down. Well, that's Jesus, by the way. The, the lamb, the lamb is Jesus. Huh? And what's happening there is that all the nations come, not just um, individuals. I think there is such a thing as that when we get to, um, when, we, when all things are, you know, this is the, this is, we're talking about the ultimate culmination of history. That's what we, what we read today. That's what Revelation is about. And the ultimate culmination of history when God triumphs and reigns over all things, what's going to happen is there's going to be, the Chinese will be washed by the blood of Jesus. And they'll be most fully Chinese. The... Um, you know, the, the, the Persians will be washed by the blood of Jesus, and they'll be most fully, most beautifully Persian. You hear what I'm saying? So that God, you know, he, he, he's a very interesting God. He likes many different creatures. We're going to get into that. He likes a lot of different nations. And all his glory would be displayed in each of the nations and each of the creatures, holy, fully, with no more sin. That's, a, that's kind of the picture that we're looking at today. And I want to talk about how the gospel impacts and changes cultures and nations. And that's something that I don't know if uh, too many churches talk about that, but um, it's in the Bible. It's deeply in the Bible. And, and nobody knows how to do it really, really well. But one of the things that we have a deep conviction about here at Revive is that it comes through, it comes through the cross. That's what we're talking about today. And that 
Um, you know, many of you, you know, you I hope you love your own peoplehood, right? You should. Um, you know, if you're, if you're German, you know, our brother who came, by the way, he, did you hear that little accent? That's, that's, that's German, right? You know, our brother who, uh, he, and I hope he, you know, I'm sure he loves Germany and he loves Germans, and, um, and he should. That, well, what would it look like if Germany were utterly washed by the blood of Jesus and beautiful, right? Um, that's what we care about. That's one of our very important values in Revive, and it's all based on the gospel. Now, let's get into the passage today in my message, The Riches of the Lamb to the Nations, right? Part one, the drama of the sealed scroll before the ethnos, or before the nations, right? The drama of the sealed scroll before every tribe and language before all the nations, in the Greek, to the ethnos, to the ethnics, okay? Um, part two, um, the tremendous riches of the Lamb. The tremendous riches of the Lamb. I'm, I'm going to try to help you see that apart from the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, um, nations cannot fully be what they're supposed to be. And there is a, there's a riches, and I'm going I'm to use one that, that I just see is just incredibly missing in some of the ethnics in our time. And it's one that we need to get back and give back to them, and it's given through Jesus. So let me put it very bluntly. If Christians won't do it, they won't get it. And if they don't get it, they can't fully have their peoplehood. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that's what I'm going to talk about in part two. Part three, the riches poured out through sacrifice. It comes through sacrifice. So part one, the drama of the sealed scroll before the nation. So some of you, okay, if you ever grew up and you heard Revelation, it's like a big, it's a scary book. It's got weird, you, already, you get to see there's already some weird imagery. There's a lamb who somehow has seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits, right? I mean, that's, it's weird stuff. And a lot of people think, like, oh, who can understand it? I, I, I was telling um, um, my daughters, because I was listening, I, I, this is one of the things I typically tend to do. I, I use the YouVersion Bible app, and I listen to the passage to get it into me a couple more times before I preach it. And so my daughters are listening to it, and my she goes, what the heck is the seven eyes? <laughs> and I said, what's seven horns, my, my youngest are asking. And one of the things I was telling them is that Revelation seems like a really difficult and intimidating book. But if you know enough of the Bible, it actually becomes relatively easy to understand. Most people think it's some weird book, and then they go down some really weird, because they read it with some other weird agenda, and then they come up with some cockeyed meanings. But if you understand the, the full agenda of the Bible, and if, you've got, you know, if you know enough of the Bible, actually the book just kind of just opens up. And I'm going to try to help you see that. Right? And it's incredibly important um, in this particular passage, all right? So um, I'm going to teach you one thing, and then I'm going to, let's jump into the, into the Bible, all right? Um, a lot of people don't understand, so th this might sound rather, um, <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound insulting, all right? Most people think they know how life works. If you don't have um, the Bible and the revelation of God, uh, what, you, what you really, you're completely like backwards, <laughs> All the normal things that we think are the normal ways where the world and life works and you, you think you're so smart because you know how those things work, um, probably you're really, really backwards. You don't really understand that. 
the kingdom of God, I mean, this is a, so, I mean, I'll just get into this a little bit. There's a scroll. You know what the scroll is? So there's someone seated on a, I mean, I, you know, if you really want to understand that, you have to read both chapters, and just for the sake of time. Well, there is a, there's one seated on the throne. And that, and the one seated on the throne has a scroll. The scroll has seven seals. And everybody bows down to the one sitting on the throne. The one sitting on the throne. So here are all the people who are bowing down. There are 24 elders, and there are four creatures, and every angel, they're all bowing down to the one sitting on the throne, and he has a scroll. That person is God, okay? I mean, that makes sense, right? Who would bow down to this being? This being is God. We're breaking into the middle of this, um, this portion, and now the, the drama is, okay, now we know who that person is sitting on the throne, and that's not too complicated to figure out it's God, right? I mean, that didn't take a PhD to understand, did it? All right? And then there's this drama. He has a scroll. The scroll is sealed up with seven seals, which means it's really like who can open it? And then there's this drama right at the very beginning, which is nobody can open it. Who gets to open it? But everybody knows it's very, very important that that scroll gets opened up. <laughs> that the scroll has to be opened up, and it, somebody has to be able to read it, because what's, the contents inside the scroll are tremendously important. Now, let's just, let me just stop for a moment. You're like, what, what the heck is this about? This is really weird. <laughs> it is, it's not that weird, OK? Um, if, you were, if you lived in ancient, any ancient time, you sat, and let's say you went to synagogue, or you went to church, or let's say you're not even a Christian. You go to temple. There's somebody up at the front who's supposed to have some kind of special training and hopefully has some special calling from the divine. And the reason you go to the temple or to the synagogue or to the church or to the divine is because you know you don't know what really life is about. You know that somebody has some special knowledge. And hopefully it has been written down and it's been preserved and it's handed off. And by the way, so if you lived in ancient wherever, you don't know how to access that knowledge. You know why? Because you're probably illiterate. How many people get to handle scrolls? Very, very few. So today, we live in a time when you know, printing technology, I mean, we're so good at it, you don't even need paper anymore. We just go on the phone. It's just like words, words, words all over the place. And, and you know, we live in a highly literate society. And so you know, we do, we, we do you know, 13 years of school. You do 13 years of school, and then we compete to go to another layer, layer of school. That's our society. Do you understand the vast, vast majority of people in the world do not operate like that? And the vast, vast majority of the people who have ever lived, they don't even learn how to read. And they don't even know how to make the paper that makes the book. And so the time when this is written, there aren't books. There's such a thing as only a scroll. And that scroll is made out of a parchment, which is incredibly valuable. And the words that go on it, everybody knows that's the most valuable thing we have in our society. It's not money. It's not money. It's not that building. That building will crumble. But if we have the scroll, then our people and our knowledge and our wisdom and our worth, everything can be rebuilt. This is what, what, get, what gives us life. Do you believe that? 
Now, we, we modern Americans, we tend to think, you know, if we got money, then every, money is like, you know, one of the most worthless things in the world. Let me tell you something. If you have money, but you don't have knowledge, you got nothing. If you have knowledge, but don't have money, you have everything that you need to rebuild your people. Really. If you have real knowledge. That's why we spend minimum 13 years giving our people knowledge. And then you only have a high school degree. Then we go, okay, all right, well, then who wants to go further? <laughs> then you compete to go for another four years, and who wants to go further? Then you've got master's degrees and PhD. Because knowledge, real wisdom, is the key to have your people. So now you're starting to understand why this passage is incredibly important. Now there's a scroll. All the nations are there. Now, you know, how do you know all the nations are there? So, um, Okay, well, let, let, okay let, let, let me read the passage and I'll explain it this way. So verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, that's God, remember, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. Every nation will sit there and go, we need to know what's on that thing. Let me, let, let, let's just break this down. You guys know what science is? You know what science is? Science comes from a Latin word in the medieval times called scientia. You know what scientia means? It means knowledge. Science just means knowledge. Everybody who's interested in science, you're interested in the pursuit of knowledge. You know what you want to do? You want to break open a scroll of the world and gain that knowledge. That's the drama that's happening right here. There's a problem. Nobody gets to open it. So where is it? It's in the right hand of God. <laughs> it's in God's hand. You want to know why people are religious? Because they know the most important thing for life is in the hand of God. And if he doesn't give it to you, we die. <laughs> because animals die. <laughs> animals don't worship. Animals just get out in the world. And you, do you ever, you know, we had a hamster you know, we found out that the hamster is really stupid. <laughs> and what we found out is the hamster is constantly worried about two things. One is bigger animals and food. <laughs> bigger animals and food. If we dropped a girl hamster in there, then it would probably worry about the third thing. Ooh, girls. <laughs> all right? You know, that's probably what would happen. That's what we found out. That's all animals do. Where's my next meal? Let me not die. Oh, let, let, let's, let's, have, let's have babies. <laughs> But human beings look for a scroll. Human beings know we're not just hamsters. We need knowledge. That knowledge gives us worth. And our people can go on even after we're gone. That comes from God. So I, I don't want to be overly rude about this. Our time when we think that secular, okay, we have all the knowledge that we need through science. Let me tell you something. That's Nonsense, right? That is nonsense. Every true, real scientist in the past, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to break open a scroll. The earliest scientists were men of God. They're trying to break open a scroll. You know what they have found out? Nobody can give you the scroll. That's the drama here. Let's move on. So I saw a mighty angel, verse 2, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. 
And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. You understand why he's weeping now? Everybody weeps. What if you didn't know that there's such a thing as viruses? And so then, you know, your nose runs. Then you touch your child, and your child dies. Wow. It's really good to know that knowledge, isn't it? It's unbelievably important to know that knowledge. You know, and, and it's amazing that there's this thing called science, which is the search for scientia, and that knowledge was discovered. It's a piece of the secret of the universe, actually. <laughs> the secret of how the world actually works. <laughs> you know? And so, but imagine there's deeper things than that. Deeper things than that. And nobody can open it. That's a big, big tragedy, isn't it? But then the passage goes on. Verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb as though standing, standing as though it had been slain. That's really odd. He was standing, but somehow he had died. It's really weird, okay? It's like, who stands after you've died? He has, you know he's stand. somehow the way he's standing, somehow you know he's died. It's really weird, <laughs> all right? Not just died, he's been killed. And then he goes, with seven horns. So can you see, if you picture this lamb, it has seven horns. And with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went, so this is the drum, he went, he goes up to the throne, he goes up to the throne. He went and took the throne from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. It's God. So there's a scroll. Everybody's got to know what's in the scroll. Only one being is worthy. Really, really weird looking creature. <laughs> seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits. Somehow he stands even though it seems as he has died. And he goes up to the right hand. This is the most important hand, right hand of God. Goes up to and he pulls this open. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's strange too. All right. I mean, and then they sang a new song. I'll stop for a moment. Okay. Who's the lamb? All right. All right. A five-year-old who grew up in church would know the answer. Who's the lamb? Come on. Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. All right. Listen to the way it's described. Okay. The literal, if you render it literalistically in your mind, it's just a really weird creature. <laughs> but understand, this is the, the, the revelation is not understood to be literalistic. Every picture of the lamb or of the horns, it's all of rife with the meaning of the Bible. So let me just break it down for you. Um, he is a lion. Weep no more. The lion of the tribe of Jude. He's a lion. And he's from someplace. 
He's from a very specific people. He's of the Jews, of the most Jewish of the Jews, of Judah. <laughs> and he is of the root of David. David, the root of David. So that's where David came out of. So now we're talking about a very, very specific person, very, very Jewish, from a very, very specific lineage. So we're talking about a man. We're talking about a man. We're not just talking about a lamb. We're talking about a man who somehow is described as a lion who is also a lamb. He can open this seal up. There's seven seals. What does seven mean? Seven is the number of completion and perfection in the Bible. All right? So if there are seven seals, there are seven seals. It's completely sealed. By the way, later on, those seals get opened up, and then all kinds of horrible stuff happens on the, on the earth. Okay, so, you know, like, each time he, opens, he breaks a seal, like, terrible stuff starts to happen, right? The wrath of God starts essentially getting poured out against all the people who hate God and then all the devils and demons, right? So that's, but right now, he can open and break all the seals. So that's what, the, that's what seven means. Then he goes on to say, he, he's a lamb, and he has seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits. I just told you what seven means. You know what that means? Horn represents, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the horn, anytime the horn is like um, lifted up. So, you know, so just think about why, why, why a horn matters. If you're in an agricultural society, you have like, you know, you have this, you know, this big beast, it has a horn. The horn represents its power. The horn represents power. And then they lift up the horn, and like a king or a leader would have a horn, the horn represents his authority and his power. Seven horns represents all power, all authority. The eyes represents all seeing, all knowing. And then the seven spirits represents the full spirit of him. And then we know now he is of God. And all, so then... Who bows down? As soon as he grabs the, the, the scroll, remember, everybody's got to know what's in that scroll. Everybody's got to know it. And we know this is the difference between life and death. Then, who bows down? There are four creatures. Again, I won't go into all the descriptions. I, I told my, my daughter this morning. They're fantastic. You can, you can read it. Chapter 5, fantastic creatures. Some have like, like claws and like, it's like, a, like wings and stuff like this. What do the four creatures represent? The creatures represent every creature. There's four creatures because it's the creatures of the north, east, south, and west. Every single creature. So it's really interesting. When Jesus goes to get the scroll, right, and, to, and everybody knows he's going to break the seals and open this up for everybody, all the animals bow down. <laughs> all the animals bow down. And then, and then somebody else bows down. 24 elders bow down. So what's, okay, in the Bible, there are elders. Okay, what do the, what the elders represent? Why and why 24? In the Bible, the number 12 is very important. Seven is very important. <laughs> and 12, those, those numbers are tremendously important in the Bible. All right? Three, four, and 12. Those are not just like, oh, I like the number eight. Okay, eight's not as important. <laughs> oh, my lucky number is two. Okay, sorry, two's not as important, right? Three is very important, four is important, and 12 is tremendously important. Why 12? Because there were 12 sons of Jacob. If you want the complete Israel, you have to have 12. <laughs> there are 12 tribes in Israel. 12 tribes of Israel means the complete tribes of Israel. So then why are there 24? 
because each elder represents one of the tribes. And the reason why we have to have 24 is because there's another 12 of all the rest of the nations. The other 12 represent all the other nations. You following me? So who bows down to Jesus? Four incredible, fantastic creatures represent all the creatures of all the earth, north, east, south, and west. All 24 elders represent all the tribes of Israel and all the tribes of the nations, Gentiles, right? 24 elders. They all bow down. And then they began a worship. And just like we did this morning before, you know, we, we got to the sermon, they sang a song. <laughs> and what did they sing? Here's what they sang. I, I don't know what the, the melody was like. Worthy are you <laughs> to take the scroll. <laughs> Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals and to open its seals and to open its seals. All right? <laughs> Why? And then, they, and then and they sing the gospel. For you were slain. This is the next portion. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. That's the gospel. From every tribe and language and people and nation. Who is ransomed for God? Every tribe and language and pe people and nation. And you have made them. Did he only make white people? You have made them what? A kingdom and priest to our God. So there's this strange, you know, um, First year I went on the a Native American reservation. I met this Native American guy, you know, he's not a Christian. And he said, he's like, Christianity is this bad religion of white people. And I, I remember looking at him going like, dude, look at my face. Do I look like a white guy to you? <laughs> it's like, it's just weird. I was just like, going like, it's a really weird conversation we're having here now. It's like, you're giving me this really strange, like prejudice as if like, you know, there's a white man's religion. It's like, you're totally wrong. And I'm proof. Look at my face. Do I look white to you? Every tribe and language and nation becomes a kingdom and priest to our God. Every tribe. That's why they bow down. Um, so, all right, let, let me, let's drop down, and I'm gonna, I want to I just say this last portion, and then let's go to part two of my message. What do they get? What do you get... There is a, a lamb who has all authority, seven horns, all knowledge, seven eyes, and all the full righteousness and love of God, all his spirit. <laughs> I tell you, you know how I think of that? All his spirits, seven spirits? It's not seven, it's all of them. <laughs> Perfect. And I th I, you know, when I read that passage, I, I think of all the gifts all of the, I think of Galatians 5, the gift of spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Would you rather have money? Or would you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness? Yeah, all these things. If you would rather choose money than love, joy, peace, you are really dumb. <laughs> You're really, really dumb. You're very Silicon Valley, <laughs> which is why this incredibly smart city is incredibly stupid. You understand that? Our city, filled with all these high IQ people, they all choose money over love, joy, peace. 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Right? That's what comes out of the Lamb of God. Huh? That's what he gives. So let, let's, go, let's jump down to verse 12. So then they sing another song. Here we go. More of the song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain <laughs> to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what do you get? What does he have? He gets power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Power and wealth. We'll sing that part again. And power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory. That'll be the, that'll be the bridge. Okay? <laughs> that'll be the bridge. We'll sing that. Power and wealth and wisdom and might. Man, that's pretty good. That's what he gets. You know what all the nations that are redeemed by the Lamb get? Power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, and glory, and blessing. You know what that is? It's like everything. <laughs> well, let, you know, it would sound really boring if we sang the song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive everything, 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 everything. Okay, we'll do hip-hop worship. Everything, 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 everything. <laughs> you get everything, everything. Boop, 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 everything, everything. Because that's, that's boring, all right? Worthy of wealth and power and wealth and might. You know, that, that's, that's what they're singing. That's what they're singing. All the nations who get the lamb, they get everything. You get that? And if you don't get everything, how can your people flourish? You know, every poor people, they're like, they just know they're not much. You know why? Because they're like, we're just like hamsters. All we think about is our next food. And all we think about, all we're worried about is those powerful people over there will come and kill us. <laughs> and then we will procreate and hope that those people won't totally murder us <laughs> and enslave us. And then, you know, and then we can eat another day. People who live like that, and their culture is like that. People who live like that, they know they ain't much. They know they have far less than everything. In order to be a full people, you must get wisdom and power and wealth. Everything. Everything. Let's go to part two. The tremendous riches of the Lamb. Right? Um, I'm going to give you an example. If you look into our society, everybody, every culture is good. Let me tell you something like that. God made every, you know, if you go Genesis chapter 1, he made them, he made this, he made this, and he goes, it's good. Every nation is good. You know that? So, um, you know, every nation is racist. <laughs> and so then we show up at another, and they go like, I like these people, because, you know, you, you, you kind of like their food. And then they have, like, some manners that you don't like, and then you start looking down on them. You know, we all do this to everybody. Everybody does to everybody. <laughs> everybody does this to everybody. So this idea that only white people are racist, just, just please, that is a wicked lie from hell. Everybody's racist. Everybody. And everybody, you know what we need? We need a lot more riches. Wisdom and wealth and all this stuff. And then the more we have it, and then the more we give it, then you will see their full peoplehood start to come out, and you'll begin to see they're not inferior. They're starting to become beautiful. Because God made them that way. It's interesting. 
you know? Some like a little more spicier food, some like have more pungent things, and, and they all have like, you know, some people's music is, it's, it's an incredible thing. So we, the, I love living in this time. I'm so glad I didn't live in the 19th century, the 18th century, or the 12th century, or something like this, because passages like this would just been strange. <laughs> But today, we can actually understand this passage, and we know it's really, really true. And we need a little, tiny, little glimpse as to what God is doing. <laughs> but let me also say this. Every culture is incredibly broken. Every culture is good. Every culture is wicked and broken. <laughs> Why? Because we don't have everything. We only have some of it. You know, what's really sad is the cultures that have more wealth, I think, are more wicked. Because at the, at, the, at the center of the most wickedness is pride. <laughs> People have wickedness. You know, it's like, until you become powerful, you can't get, you know, you, 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 know, you, can't, you, can't, uh, you, you can't slaughter uh, you know, millions and millions of people unless you have power. That's what happens. And so, but as you look around, there's just lack. You know what part of redemption is what God wants? God is going to pour out some of his everything through Jesus. And then he's not just interested in redeeming individuals. He's interested in redeeming nations. And then those nations, if they're in him, will start to have more and more of everything. And you know what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to have more and more of love and mercy and humility. And then they begin to give their everything to the other nations. You want to know what a good nation is? It's that. You know, you don't even have to be a Christian to know that. <laughs> the nations that say, we have everything, you stink, we'll oppress you, we all know that they're evil. <laughs> we all know that they're evil. That's part of a, that's what's going on inside every culture. Now I want to give you one example of something that the gospel can do. You, it, it can come through the gospel. I'm going to give you something that's incredibly missing today. It's incredibly missing today. I'm going to give you one example that the nations, the ethnics around us are losing, and it's going to destroy them. It's destroying us. And then, um, and then I'm going to go to the close of the God, and then I'm going to give you the gospel to close the message, right? So this is what I'm talking about. It's unbelievably, it's unbelievably, um, I'm just going to warn you, it's offensive. It's offensive. In our time and day, the thing I'm going to talk about is incredibly offensive but it's incredibly important. You know what we need? We need marriage. <laughs> oh, we need marriage? You know what that means? That means you got to have self-control in your sexual, sexual desires. <laughs> and so if you look at the nations, most of the nations don't have self-control in their sexual desires. <laughs> and they do not have marriage. Marriage is a key for people. Because you know what's at the core of marriage? At the core of marriage, is a covenantal promise. You know what covenant is? Covenant is at the core of God and what he offers people. And one of the biggest gifts that he gave, it's in Genesis chapter 1, right? In the, gen right the first gift he gave the world was marriage. He made the beauty of man. He made the beauty of women. And it says now, marry. Covenantal promise. You know what covenantal promise is? It's real love no matter what. That's what it is. It's long-form, sacrificial love. So in our time, because like, who needs marriage if you have love? Okay, if you don't have marriage, you don't have love. Let me say that to you. Because all you got then is sex. 
our society is incredibly lonely. So then what we do is you fall in love. Okay, maybe you don't even fall in love. You're just lonely. So then can we just have a hookup? That's the way we do it. More and more cultures around the world, most of the cultures around, this is normal. <laughs> so I'm not trying to be evil or like mean or judgmental. This is normal <laughs> in a lot of the cultures of the world. Most cultures of the world, they figure it out that if we don't really get, if we don't like impose self-discipline on our young people, what we're going to have is incredible chaos in our society, and we will not make it. We will not procreate. We won't have families. We will not have wealth. Wealth. You want your kids to do really well when they're 25 and 35 and 45 and get knowledge and discipline and money and wealth and then pass it on to their kids? You've got to have marriage. They must learn sexual self-restraint and self-control when they're 12, 13, and 14, and 17. In our culture, we pass out condoms. It's unbelievably stupid. It's unbelievably stupid, right? So we're, you know what you're giving them? Poverty. That's what you're doing. Hand them a condom, hand them poverty. That's what we're doing. You think I'm lying? So um, our church for like, eight years in a row have gone to a Native American reservation. So we go to another culture. We love these people, the Paiute nation. Um, you know what their number one problem is? This. This is their number one problem. Oh, they don't have enough money. No, they, don't, they, have plenty, they got money, okay? That's not their problem. This is their problem. If they're gonna become a beautiful Paiute people, they need marriage. And if they need marriage, they need covenant. And then they need inner power. They need power. Without power, you can't get wisdom. Without wisdom, you can't get wealth. So if you go to the Native American reservation, you see poverty. But if you think the lack of money is the real problem, you, you, you don't have a clue what the real problem is. The, the real problem is they don't have covenant. <laughs> Because if you just say, we'll have sex, but I won't promise to be with you no matter what, you don't love them. That's the difference. I won't mess with your body unless I will sacrifice my life for you to the nth, no matter what. That's covenant. That's love. That's what the Bible calls love. Apart from that, it's not love. <laughs> what we have in America is what we have is I will use you, exploit you because I'm lonely and I'm hungry, and then we call that love. Unbelievably backwards. And you know what produces? Poverty. Kids grow up, they're deeply upset because mom left, or dad left. And then you, you expect them to be able to get through, you know, like five more years of school? Of course not. They're lonely, they're angry, they're depressed, and then, well, then they have sex, then they do drugs. You'll never get rid of drugs and sex <laughs> apart from marriage <laughs> and covenant. And if you don't have marriage and covenant, you will not have wealth. And if you don't get wealth, your people will die. They'll have, they'll, they'll be starving, they'll be hungry, they can't defend themselves, they can't provide themselves, and they'll feel ashamed. Cultures cannot thrive until you get everything. 
Verse 12, you got to get everything. Jesus gives you everything. Everything. So when we go to the Native American Reservation, you know what we find? We give them Jesus. Some want Jesus. What we find is a lot of them have no clue how to do sexual self-restraint, self-control, and love. They know it. They can feel it. You know what it's going to take to give it to them first? First, you know what we have to give them? Jesus. First, they need Jesus. Then they can have the power. Then they can have long form. You see the long form glory? Covenant is long-term, long-term committed love. If you don't have long-term committed love, you don't have love. And then if you don't have love, then everything else breaks out. You know, we have to give, uh, you know, you know what, we're, what we're interested in giving all the nations in Silicon Valley? This. I think this is needed. And if we do this, we'll begin to see what Persians can be like. <laughs> what, they're not called Indians, by the way. Well, they call themselves Indians, but like they're Tamil. Like we have some, my wife and I were having dinner just last night. The husband's Punjabi, the wife is Sindhi. <laughs> right? What could Sindhi people be like? Let me close this message. It says right here, um, you know, that there's a lamb. Why does it have to be a lamb? It has to be a lamb. I'm going to close the message this way. All human beings, he's a lion who became a lamb. He's a lion who's a lamb. And he gave a ransom. A ransom for whom? Every tribe and nation and language. All nations. Ransom them. So let me break this down for you. All human beings, we want to be lions, not lambs. <laughs> lions have power. But lions also eat the weak and are oppressive and wicked. <laughs> In that sense, wicked. <laughs> if we act like lions and we then go eat up all the other weaker people, we don't want to be lambs. We only want to be lions. Jesus is the only one who became a man who was a lion who became a lamb. What is a lamb? The lamb is the weakest but precious and beautiful beast and whose blood, God says, can wash away sins. He chose the weakest. The man became the weakest. And then he gave a ransom. Why is it, what is a ransom? Okay, so in the modern day, a ransom is this. Somebody gets kidnapped. <laughs> And then in order to release them, you have to give a ransom, right? Well, guess what? Ancient people understood this perfect, perfectly well. They didn't, it wasn't kidnapping. What it really was was there's war. And then we just carried off all your, you know, your, your daughters and sons. Huh. Right? And then they become enslaved. And then in order to kind of get them back,